Hey, good evening. Welcome in to State of the Tigers, our Monday night show. At least Monday this week. Could be a different night next week. But it's Monday tonight. Monday this week. Uh, we are going to talk Mizzou football. Regular season over, postseason coming, portal season coming, recruiting season, official visits, all kinds of stuff going on. It, it really is. The regular season's over. And now the busy time starts in college football. Uh, this show every single week is brought to you by James Carlton State Farm Insurance. James is located in Webster Groves, Missouri. You can give his office a call, 314-961-4800. You're always going to get a real person on the phone during business hours. They don't stay there all night. They actually take time off. But during business hours, 314-961-4800, you'll get a real live human being on the phone you can hit him up at carltoninsurance.net. James, a big Mizzou fan. I uh, just did a radio appearance, and James was on today. Um, talked a little Mizzou football with him. He would love to talk Mizzou football with you and how you can help Mizzou's name, image, and likeness efforts. You get in touch with James either online or by phone. You get a quote from him. He's going to make some arrangements to donate to Mizzou's NIL efforts and more important than that, maybe not more important than that to you, but more important than that, probably to him, he's going to try to hook you up with the best rates on your insurance. So get in touch with James, support the sponsors, support the show, like, comment, subscribe, do all those things. Uh, support Gerard Hamilton, who is on your screen now. Uh, Gerard, season's over, man, at least for a minute. Uh, but like I was just thinking earlier today, we spent like nine months leading up to this season and talking about every aspect. And you wrote like 27 articles preview in every position. Now it's over, man. It seems, it, it seems fast. Yeah. I keep thinking about to uh, SEC media day when I put a tweet like, well, no more off days, <laughs> but it went by really, it went by really quick. SEC media days feels like it was like maybe a month ago. I mean, we were just, we were just in the press box talking like, can this be the Kansas state game already? <laughs> And now right. it's regular season is over. Yeah, well, and like when they're good, I think I always think it goes faster, right? Like it's it's easier. There's more stuff to write. There more people are interested. There's more stuff to talk about. You stay busier, so you're not just sitting around going, "Well, all right, let's see if they can win enough to get to the Gasparilla Bowl." So a season like this already always better. Yeah, I, I said it a few weeks ago. Doing his job is it's fun regardless because I mean we get paid to talk about football, you know. But when they're winning, it's it's much much better. No question, no question. So uh, look, we're we're gonna do a few things tonight. Uh, Want to invite you questions, comments, put them there. We'll we'll get to them as the show goes along. T Rise and the rest. Uh, welcome to you guys this evening. Appreciate you uh, watching live with us. Uh, again, like and, and share and all that. If you're listening on the podcast later, just say good things about us and tell people about us. Uh, but but we'll kind of hit a few things. Um, we'll get to Transfer Portal, uh, a little bit of news today. Actually, let's just start there. Um, EJ Doma Ogar announces today that he intends to enter the Transfer Portal. He's the second offensive lineman to do so. Uh, Valen Erickson uh, announced it kind of mid-season. And then Dennis Jackson, uh, graduate transfer wide receiver, is no longer with the team. We don't know if he's in the portal or what. He just we had reported, I guess it was last night that that he had kind of voluntarily chosen to leave the roster midseason. So three players out from the roster this year. I, 
none of them particularly surprising. I mean, I guess Erickson would be the most surprising in that he was a young guy and there was, was still hope, but he had been not part of the team all year long. So not too surprising in that regard. Yeah, uh, none of them are, are really too surprising, uh, to be honest. Yeah, Erickson, he left the team somewhere before fall camp ended or something like that, you know, towards the end of that. Um, Jackson, it's funny, I was doing I was doing a report. Yeah, I was doing a report cards yesterday for offense that you guys can check that out now. And I was looking up stats for I was trying to go through all the receivers just to see. I look up Janice Jackson and I took a break for a minute to like cook dinner. And then that's when I seen that you put it out. I was just like, oh, that makes sense. Cause I'm thinking I haven't seen him in a minute. I kind of forgot about him, honestly, until somebody asked me. And, and like, I don't mean that to sound bad. Yeah. He just got yeah, lost in the shuffle. Right. Right. He got lost in the shuffle. And then EJ, um, it's not surprising the fact that, you know, he wants to play. What is he a fifth or sixth year guy? Like, he's. I think this is his fifth year. I think next year would be his. Or this is his fourth year. He was at Mizzou for, three, I don't know, fourth or fifth. He's got another year, I think. Yeah, so my thing about him was, I don't know, this seemed kind of like writing on the wall because basically all of spring and fall camp was basically like there's two interior offensive line positions open for whoever grabs them, and Connor grabbed grabbed his in about a week, and then Xavier got his, and then after that I was just kind of like, well, the other three spots seem solidified, so you kind of knew there would be some shuffling the offensive linemen, you know, at this point. And they had, I mean, basically until Armand Mimbo got kicked out, uh, once uh, Marcellus Johnson got hurt and Cameron Johnson came back, like they had the same five guys play about 750 consecutive snaps or something like that. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't gonna wasn't gonna be a way. And then with Marcellus being in there, like him being the sixth man, that utility guy. I mean, if you can't be the sixth man, that's and that even that job for some teams being the sixth man. It's still like similar to EJ's job. So the fact that Marcel is even playing kind of, that's something. So it was going to be hard to break that rotation. Yeah, no question. So um, look, I, I know somebody had uh, asked, Aiden had asked, who else do you see hitting the portal? I mean, you guys can do this as easily as we can, right? We don't, I, I'm never comfortable pushing kids out. But you can look down the depth chart and go through every position and go, well, that guy's been here two years and he hadn't played. That guy's been here three years and he wasn't really in the rotation. Like those guys are all candidates to transfer. Um, that's, that's, they want to play. That's how college football is. But, and, and look, I don't have anybody in mind here, but Gerard, I think going into the transfer portal, what every fan base is nervous about is, is there a Makai Wingo moment coming? Is there a Dominic Lovett moment coming? Right. Is, the, is there a, an, an actual contributor? Uh, a, a guy of consequence that's leaving. And, and we don't know that, but I think every coach, it like no coach will be shocked if it happens. It happens all over the country. Yeah. Uh, just off the top of my head, I can't think of one though, because it seems like most of Missouri's guys are either coming back or they're going to the draft. Like I can't think right. of an instinct guy where it's just like, dang, that hurt. Like, a, you know, like Dominic Lovett. So I, I have to sit and think on that one. But and I'm not saying a specific guy, but like last year, even Arden Walker, like it, it caught me off guard a little bit. I thought, hey, yeah. that's a guy that's kind of in line to start, but right. we never know why kids choose to transfer. So so all I'm saying is you can figure out the obvious candidates, but that doesn't mm -hmm. mean that a kid who played this year or is in line yeah. to play next year won't leave. Absolutely. So 
Yeah, that's going to be interesting. What's that? Uh, is that a week from today? It so. opens officially a week from today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so what you're starting to get today, it started really with Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Um, I saw Chris Tyree from Notre Dame, uh, Will Howard and, and Treshawn Ward from Kansas State. What you're starting to get today is the – I intend to in, enter the transfer portal. Like they're just saying it now because the sooner you get your name out there, then the sooner other staffs can start to say, oh, okay, there, there's a guy now. We can't contact him yet, but there's a guy next Monday. We better hit up. Right. Um, uh, somebody in this chat said, AJ Swan, I can't – I don't know, but yeah. – uh, bandy quarterback so yeah there's gonna be some it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be interesting i like this is really only about the second or third year i i'll be honest man i kind of like it it gives us something to like it it's super exciting free agency in the yeah, NFL say, it's one of my agency. favorite things yeah. i don't even watch the nba but but nba free agency kind of interests me yeah i think it's kind of fun man it's I'll put it like this. Um the first couple of days of free agency are always fun. Once you get into the dog days of free agency and people are, you know, transferring in or out, and you're like, oh yeah. That that's when it's just like okay. But yeah, those first couple of days of the transfer portal, um, like where were we? We were um we we're at the Chiefs game last year. Uh when when uh, I think it was Dom. When Is that right? Yeah, I feel like we was on the way or something like that. I, I think you're right. Like we were pulling into Arrowhead, and we got a message that Dominic Lovett was officially in the portal or something. And so, yeah, it's it's always it's crazy, but yeah, it is a definitely an interesting time. And kind of uh, another thing I look at is for the teams that aren't so great, like Missouri, you have a chance. You don't have to wait for the development of you know high school kids and hope you get this player and this player. You kind of get some quality players now. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. If I'm a coach, I'd probably hate this. Like, you got to recruit your team every year. I wouldn't like it, but I'm not a coach. I I, I like it. It's it's fun. Uh, Jared says the staff portal portals well. Makai Wingo transfers and, and Mizzou goes crazy with D tackle depth. Like, it, it's a good point. I, I mean, I don't know if I both. I don't know if I believe like that. There's a staff that does the transfer portal better than another one necessarily. Missouri's done well so far. Um, you know, they, they missed on a few guys too, though, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, just thinking about the last couple of years since I've been here, obviously, uh, Tyron Hopper, uh, Theo Weiss, Travez Johnson, um, Jay Jernigan, Jernigan, uh, Chuck Hicks. He's out uh, when I was doing the grades for the defense today, he's second in tackles for loss. I mean, I don't think that was going to be on anybody's bingo card, uh, this year. So, I mean, yeah, they've been able to get some. Quality pieces, Cameron yeah, Johnson, Carlton, Landry, Christian Williams. There, there you go. So, oh, Cody Schrader. How could we forget? How could that? We that was a little different, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, they've definitely they've gotten a lot more out of it than they've lost to it. I sure. don't think there's any question about that. I mean, that's why they're the number nine team in the country this year. You know, so uh, they've done a good job so far. But every year's a every year is absolutely a, a new deal. Um, all right, so let's start here just kind of looking back at the season. Danny Raglan says, if the Week 2 Mizzou team played the Week 12 Mizzou team, what would the score be? So if we're going by Week 12 as in what the calendar says, that's technically the team that played Florida. If you're talking about the team that played Arkansas. Late, late season, yeah. Okay. Mm, 
if we're talking about the team that played played Arkansas, that team probably wins by two scores. The MTSU game wasn't all that bad until the end, really. Like, I mean, it was a slug, like a, a slug. They, but they kind of controlled that game for about 50 yeah. minutes, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, my, are, are they going to piss this away? Yeah, it was like the problem with that game was it wasn't as high scoring as people thought it was just because of the name they were facing. But it wasn't like they were in trouble of losing the game until late when weird stuff yeah. happened. All, but, yeah, all of think, a sudden late, it, it got a little little iffy. Uh, Middle Tennessee, I guess, fired Rick Stockstill today. I'll say this. If Week 2 Middle Tennessee had played Week 12 Arkansas, Middle Tennessee would win by three scores. Almost anybody would yeah, win by three I, scores. I don't I mean, that. I'm like – Literally, we're not going to spend much time talking about this game. We we did a lot uh, on it, but I just it, it was like two snaps in, and I'm like, oh, I don't think Arkansas wants to be here. It, well, I mean, Missouri went three and out, but then after that, it was like, oh, they they don't really look very interested in uh, in doing this thing. Even the first drive, I was just like, mm. it was like Missouri practice, and I mean that in the sense of. You're seeing them trying to work on things. You're seeing them trying to do stuff, and I'm like, mm, just not getting it done. But there was nothing on that first job where I said, Arkansas got them strapping up. I was thinking, no. like, just things seem off the mark. They didn't want to run the ball at all in the first drop. It was just, like, weird Missouri. But then after that, it was really definitely like, oh, yeah, this is over. Yeah. Um. So, again, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that. This is more let's kind of – recap some of the some of the highs and lows of the season stuff like that so if i ask you like what do you think the biggest play of the most important play of missouri season was what do you say fourth and 17 fourth and 17 okay i say it's me but it's a 62 yard field if they Whoa. don't beat a state if that kick doesn't go in and they get beat I don't think this season goes – I think they're still solid. I think they still win seven, eight games. But I think they got so much momentum out of that game that I think yeah. it kind of changed everything that happened after it. I, I, like, I, I like your answer too, though. Yeah, I mean, because I just feel – and maybe that's recently biased because it was right in my head just as far as, like, right. importance. Like – you lose that game at home to a team you're definitely supposed to beat in November with stuff on the line. That's that's kind of that letdown we talked about. That's the only one because, like, even if Mebus's kick misses, he gets another shot. Or hey, worst case scenario, you're in overtime. Fourth and seventeen doesn't work. That game's over. Right, and and but the to be honest, the Mebus one it wasn't the next play in my head though. The next play in my head was the Luke Bauer uh, fake punt. Yeah, just because of, I mean. They they really they really needed that play, and I don't know how that game turns out without it. So, and they were what was that? That was week seven, so they were what six and one. They were one? five and one. Five and one, I think, right? Just coming off the LSU. Yeah, game. five and five and one. Um, yeah, coming off the LSU loss, and then they were going to play. Who was they playing after that? I don't know. They all run together. South Maybe Carolina. a week or South something. Carolina. Yeah, okay. they were off, and then South Carolina. Or, yeah. No, they got South Carolina. Then they were off. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, that one just felt like ah man, if you if you lose another game before you get to Georgia, you know, it, it felt like it wrote stuff on the wall much sooner than it had to be. You know. Yeah, and and that flipped the game. I think those are the clear three that like stand out at, at least in a positive way. Mm -hmm. So 
kind of along the same lines. I I know when when it happened for me. What what was the day or the play or the whatever where you started to kind of take this team a little more seriously? Like, because even after the Mevis kick, I was like, ah, cool, they should win seven though. You know, but, but when did you start to think, okay, they might have something a little bit more here? Um, that Kansas State game was a, it's a pretty strong outing. Probably Marquise Johnson's uh, touchdown play versus Memphis because it was like the third offensive play of the game. And I was just like, oh, this offense is explosive for real. Like it wasn't just like, oh, we pulled out the stops for K-State. We're not afraid to do this quick, fast, and hurry. And I think that was the game where they had like – they had a number of touchdowns that they scored in under like four minutes. Like they were just putting it up. My my Mine was the LSU game. Even though they lost, like during the, they had that 22-7 lead, they looked damn good. And I thought, well, they just lost because the other that team has the best player in the country, and that's okay. But like they belonged on the field with LSU. They they, they very well could have, maybe should have beaten LSU. And that was the one that kind of changed my mind from okay, this is this is a, this would be a nice season. Everybody's coming back, you know, drinks not in trouble, they'll win enough games too. Hang on, they they actually could do something that that I didn't think they could do three months ago or two months ago or whatever. So I, I kind of walked out of Faroe after that LSU game thinking, I think they're better than I thought they were. Well, if we're talking about whole games, then because I know he says talking about like maybe a play or two, I would say the game versus Vanderbilt. And I think that's the one you were you were still out of town. Yeah, for. I missed that one. That one didn't happen in my world. Cook went like 33 or 41. 395, four TDs. Like, that was a game where I was just like, he cannot miss anything. Like, there was nothing wrong that they can do. And they really gave up some yardage and some points in the fourth quarter, kind of just being a little lazy and sloppy. But that game wasn't even the 17-point blowout that the score indicated. It was a lot more. And that's when I was like, oh, this offense, when they're clicking, they are one of the best. And not just like, oh, they're they're good because they're beating, you know, mid-teams. They're actually really, really good. Yeah. Um so we'll probably write something about this and stuff later, but like, and I, the offense I feel like is going to be easy. The offensive MVP of this team is who? Say one more time. I didn't hear that last part. Offensive MVP of this team. Sure. Would you say? Yeah. Sure. I, like, I don't even think it's we appreciate everything Brady cook did. No, he plays quarterback, all that. Cody Schrader is the, the offensive player of the year. I don't think there's any question. Defense, I feel like, could go a few different ways. Yeah. Who, who would you say, like, defensive MVP? KAD. I thought about him. I think I might go Darius Robinson. That's the other. That's really the only other option. And I, I have Just no Just because I feel like pressure up front changes the game a little bit more than – but, I, I mean, KAD had a hell of a year. I think those guys are both first-team all-conference probably. Darius might have a little more trouble because defensive line, there's a lot of dudes. I mean, I don't know. I, I think he's got a shot. But. Right. The only way reason I go KAD over D-Rob um, is just because, you know, times the secondary play, or more, more specifically the safety play, was kind of like, eh, sketch at times. So him and, and Ennis uh, – you know, they had to tighten up a little bit just to make sure the whole thing didn't go to crap. 
Um, but for D-Rob, you can make the, the case that he had to learn a new position along with having Johnny Walker. No one really knew what they had at defensive end. And he made that work and had like seven straight sacks, uh, except his last game. But he had seven straight sacks for a period in the season. I mean, seven games with these guys. Right, seven in a row. Jeff says it feels like Javon Foster is underrated. So let's do that. Give me, give me a guy whose season on each side of the ball is like not appreciated, probably the way it should be. Mm. Offense is easy for me. Uh I don't know if I would say he's not appreciated, but he's just he's just lower in the packing order. Maybe a Theo Weiss. Okay. I, I like wow. that. Uh, I would go on Xavier Delgado. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Delgado, like, dude. People were ready to bench that dude starting this. Oh season. no, he yeah, was, he was supposed to be gone. It seemed like his. Like, it seemed, yeah. There was there was a lot of well, we can't be any good because Xavier Delgado's still playing here. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> you know, I don't know if anybody really said that, but I'm kind of exaggerating for effect here. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It seemed like when we were thinking about depth charts, like, you know, in the summertime, you said Javon Foster. We'll give Tollison the nod for now because we don't know who, like, we don't know if Johnson can do it. But then I feel like we who did, we still had Mimbu at guard, and then we was thinking Marcellus Johnson would be right tackle. So but Delgado's spot, we were saying that's vacant. Somebody got to earn that one. So Del, Delgado's, yeah, that's probably a better one than mine. The reason I said Theo is just because, again, you think Cook, Schrader, Burden, um, but Theo Weiss, I mean, he had a really, really good number, uh, good year as a number two, and he kind of filled in that role that Luther Burden left as that outside receiver when he transitioned to the slot. So underappreciated on defense is kind of tough for me. I, like, nobody immediately comes to mind for me. Um, but I think I would probably go Chuck Hicks. Like, because he played more snaps than Bailey. Like you said, he was he was second on the team. Like, he had a bad day against Florida, but overall, I feel like he played pretty well this year. He put like, look, when they honestly, when they took him right before the season, I'm like, this guy wasn't even going to start at Wyoming. I don't, I don't really understand this. I, I mean, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And he was big this year. Yeah. He, uh, that's a good one. Um, I think mine's a little bit different. Uh, Josh Landry. I mean, this was a guy, that, yeah, fifth defensive tackle on the depth chart a year ago. He made his – I mean, I, I checked earlier. He only had like three or four starts. But, again, defensive tackles all play the same number of snaps just about. So it doesn't matter. But he's one of the team's better run stoppers. He's always in the backfield. Sometimes he he overruns things like to the point where he's, you know, he gets passed up. But he's always making plays in the backfield. Um, that would be my guy. Yeah. Um, we're getting a few questions on, on specific transfers and stuff. Look, guys, I'm not going to start – if Toriano Pride hits the transfer portal – then we'll start talking about it. I I don't really think there's a lot of point in spending energy and, hey, what if this guy, you know, like Treshawn Ward hit the portal today from Kansas State. I think that's a guy Missouri probably looks at because they need a running back or two. Um, I had posted about some Spencer Brown, a, an offensive tackle for Michigan State. I don't know that Missouri will look at him, um, but that's possible. But uh, until kids say they're in the portal, I think it's kind of wasted energy because all it does is get everybody's hopes up and then nothing right. happens. Right. Um, I do want to go back real quick. Uh, we talked about good plays. I think it's fair that we talked about plays where you said, 
that's the that's the issue or that may affect you know CFP type hopes or anything like that. I mean, I mean there's two obvious ones, right? When you say two, I have one that's kind of two plays merged together. Okay, go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. So it's the snap infraction snap slash bad snap versus LSU. I, I merged yeah. them together. Um, or was that your two plays? No, that was one of them. Oh, okay, what's um, the second one? I'm trying to think. The snap infraction oh, the, was the first one. The second one was the interception to the versus huge Georgia. man standing in the middle of the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stackhouse, yeah. And, you know, like, so here's the thing. I, I do – I remember when when we were walking out of the uh, when we were walking out of the the stadium against LSU and uh, Gorov appreciate I uh, hope I pronounce your name right first of all I look I, I just read I don't know I might have messed it up but appreciate you uh, appreciate the super chat and appreciate you hanging out and and, and everybody that's here um, and uh, I I promise I see your follow up question and we will get to it in just a minute um no but I remember we were walking out of the uh, out of the stadium against LSU and we kind of talked about like we're not there yet but there's a scenario down the road where that penalty hurts a lot more than it hurts right now I don't know if we got there but we got close yeah because it's just when we think about it it wasn't like Missouri easily drove down the field like where they got to the point of like yeah, it kind of was already like they were right. going to score on that drop. Yeah, we were thinking kind of already like okay, so at the least they're probably going to tie. So, but they can score for real, but they're probably at least going to tie if things go wrong. But if it goes horribly wrong, <laughs> well, then that's out the window, and that's that's what yeah, yeah. Um, and I still like it, it, my point that I didn't get to was I understand people that will look back at this and go, man, if it wasn't just for those two plays, right? We're 12 and 0, or even take one of them away, we're 11 and 1. And, and I get that, but I also feel kind of like I don't think this team left much out there, man. Right. I, I mean, I feel like they got just about everything they can out of this season. And because I, when I look at this team and I look at the season, I go, yeah, I don't think they probably are one of the top four teams in college football, but I think they're one of the top 10. Yeah. And that's, and that's, again, we got to keep a uh, perspective of where we were four months ago. Top 10 in Missouri, top 25 in Missouri was kind of, you know, a little stretch. If you're going seven and five, is there a seven and five team in the top 25? Without looking, I doubt it. So, um, although Tennessee, they stayed in the rankings. Tennessee, they four, though. Yeah. Yeah, they still should have been out the rankings. They, they was tripping. <laughs> but, you know what, you know what I'm saying? That was hard to be, you know. You know what you find at the end of, the, of every year? You look at like 21 through 25 and you're like, well, no, those teams should be in the rankings. And then you figure out, oh, like, well, I don't know. They got to pick 25. I, I I guess that's okay because they're yeah. everybody else lost too much. Um, but I, I promised uh, Grob that we would get to his question. Uh, latest intel on the North end zone. So there really isn't any, truthfully. They had the curators meeting on November 16th and nothing really came out of that um other than hey we're going to do a new video board and that's going to be the first phase and we're going to kind of talk about it um i don't think the curators meet again until after the first of the year uh athletics is going to get a plan to them i think by then and hope for approval of some things in april but it's just kind of out there right now and, and there's not we haven't seen pictures anything like that so uh it 
appreciate you uh, the interest in it, but we just we don't have a whole lot on it right now. I think there are maybe five or six people who have seen the drawings. Gerard, I'm not one of them. I don't know. Maybe Gerard is, but I am certainly not one of them. And uh, if the plug, which is Gabe, does it know? <laughs> I, I don't know. All right. Uh, Kyle wants to know, do you think Mimbo stays at right tackle next year, moves to left tackle? Okay. I don't know. What do you think? So I was told, I think it was when they were doing a little, the high school camp, you know, so maybe June or something like that. Like they see him as left tackle of the future type of guy. Like they think he's great and they're going to make him that move. Thing is he played really well at right tackle. If you can, if you can bring in the right left tackle in the transfer portal, probably no need to move him. But I do think it's something where maybe they don't announce it to us, but maybe they see, you know, they try to work them out a little bit and see how that goes. And then if they like it, they pull a D Rob and say, we're thinking about moving him to another spot. Yeah, I just we tried the whole hey, let's move an offensive lineman to a different position this year, and it didn't last very long with Cameron Johnson. Armand Mimbo's really good at right tackle. Man. Remember, I he mean, was okay at right guard, though. He 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 was a yeah, move, that's true. That's so, true. And yeah. and no diff, no disrespect to Cameron Johnson. Uh I think Armand Mimbo's better than him. Better. Well, he's yeah. better and he doesn't have as many the penalties, although I will say shout out to, to Cameron for cutting those down the last three or four weeks. Um, Absolutely. So there, there was improvement on that front. Uh, Connor's asking if Javen Richardson is the starting left tackle or right tackle next season. I mean, here's what I can report about Javen Richardson. He's freaking gigantic. I saw him on the sidelines under his official visit and took a picture of him. Now, all offensive linemen look pretty big to me, to be honest. But he looked bigger than most of them. I, I don't have a clue. I mean, I don't think you bring in a Juco guy with the idea that he's not going to compete for a starting job. So I think he'll compete for it, but I don't have a clue how good he is. Yeah, that's uh, TBD. TBD. Spring ball is so important. I, I hope it's a little bit better this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we'll, we'll see. I hope I'm still covering the NCAA tournament, but we'll uh, we'll see. Who is who is number one running back next year? He's not on this team. I don't think so. Not yet. Um, I do think Jamal Roberts is number two, and that means possibly he could by the time next season rolls around, he will be number one. But as of right now, RB1 isn't on the team. Now, I'm going to be very honest. If you asked me this question last December, I would have said the same thing. Or last well, April, right. I would yep. have said, well, he's not on the roster. They got to go find somebody. They don't have a number one running back. Yeah, and, uh, yeah for sure. Badly, badly missed on that one. Yeah, um, but uh, that's a myth. I, I'm I'm glad to have that miss. I'm rather we miss it and they'd be great. <laughs> right. <laughs> the well, like literally, if somebody, whenever I quit doing this, if somebody and I feel pretty confident there's probably somebody on the message board who actually does this has a spreadsheet of like things I've screwed up over the years. Dude, Cody Schrader, <laughs> Cody Schrader could be high on that list. Ah, uh, they'll they'll. <laughs> They'll get you for that. But, I mean, you got a lot more wins than losses, Gabe. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, we, we, all get a, we all get a bad day on the mound. Uh, that's okay. So, um, yeah, but they're definitely going to hit a, uh, hit a hit a running back or two in the transfer portal. So, the last thing we wanted to hit here is obviously bowl stuff. So, the way this is going to work on Sunday, the – Playoffs 
announcement show starts at 1.30. That does not mean they're going to come right out and tell us who the four playoff teams and the other eight New Year's Six teams are. I don't know if you guys have noticed, sometimes they like to milk these things. They last a little bit longer. So sometime between 1.30 and 2.30 on Tuesday, I believe that we will find out Missouri's bowl announcement. Now, the interesting thing, I actually talked to somebody earlier today who said that, you know, like when they've gone to these, when they went to the Music City Bowl or the the Gasparilla Bowl, like they kind of knew that was happening earlier in the day. They didn't tell us. They tried to keep it quiet, but they knew. I actually talked to somebody uh, today that, that told me they don't really think, like the playoff and the New Year's Six teams don't really get heads up. I think they find out watching the show just like the rest of us do. That makes sense to me. That's, I mean, cool. that's, that's why they put it all on the on the thing, and I'm glad they do. I don't want to see them fake. Ah, oh, like, or you know, when people are they're screaming excited, and then the cameras do it one more time. Ready this time, right? Like, <laughs> right, not, right, right. Not, so that's that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, uh, somebody, Aiden was asking if we agree with Ole Miss Twitter thinking they are better than Mizzou. Here's, here, look, I'm, we'll talk about Ole Miss Mizzou in a minute, but I just want to say this because I fought this battle earlier today. It is not shocking to me that Ole Miss fans on Twitter would believe that Ole Miss is better than Mizzou. Mizzou fans on Twitter are doing the same thing. You cannot spend your life on Twitter searching for things that are going to piss you off. It is, like, it is... You can find them. It is not hard. But yes, Ole Miss fans are going to advocate on social media for their team. They probably are not going to advocate for your team. Mizzou fans are not on Twitter advocating for Ole Miss. If you want to find an opinion that makes you angry on Twitter, it is very, very easy and very, very unproductive. And I will step off my soapbox now and say, do we think there's any reason to believe Missouri's ranking changes tomorrow night? Uh, no. They they won and they won by a good margin. So if they were nine going into the week, going to be nine at worst. And also, Aiden, it's a trick question. He's going to ask guys who cover Missouri, (laughs) uh, do we think so they could try to kill us for no good reason? Um, Also, I'll be honest. I don't know if I agree or disagree with Old Miss Twitter because I don't know Old Miss Twitter. All I could say is, what are they? Twelve, eleven, twelve. Well, uh, they were they were twelve because Louisville was ten. They're gonna fall, and State, State eleven was Ole Miss twelve. Okay, so I mean, even if they're making that argument, I can see why they're making that argument. Though it's not like they're like eight, ten, twelve spots behind. So of course they're gonna say they're they're better. And and it's the it's the it's the thing we talked about when Missouri first went to number nine a couple weeks ago. What's this committee value more the eye test, the better competition with Georgia, or look, you cannot ignore the fact that Ole Miss beat one of the teams that beat Missouri. You know, I mean, that's the, their two losses are Alabama and Georgia, two of the eight teams still alive for the playoff. One of Missouri's losses is a worse loss, not a bad loss, but it's a worse loss. So like you can argue either side of that you want. I, I do think it's important to understand that these rankings every Tuesday are largely for just for entertainment and to spur discussion. I think it's really dumb to do them because like now, and I don't think this is going to happen. We've already said, we think Missouri staying number nine, but if somehow let's say Penn state is nine tomorrow and Ole Miss is 10 and Missouri's down at 11, like 
if you had not put out any polls before then, fine. But because you've had Missouri at nine, and Missouri went out and beat Arkansas by 34, which is not any worse than beating Michigan State by 43, which Penn State did, or beating, it's actually better than beating Mississippi State by 10, which Ole Miss did. And it's not any worse than beating ten or a TCU by 25 or whatever Oklahoma beat them by. Like, there's no reason they should move down. So if you just came out with the first ranking on Sunday and Missouri was 11, I don't think anybody would really argue. But because we've had two weeks of them at number nine, now Missouri fans will lose their minds, and probably rightfully so if they fall. All right. But because of what you just laid out, that's why I don't like thinking this they, hard about stuff that isn't going to – that's the way to piss yourself off. <laughs> right. Fair. But, but see, I just – I have – uh, like I've really gotten into these scenarios in the bowls the last couple of weeks. And because I'm still just amazed at how many people don't seem to have any clue how this works. Like, and, and I'm not talking about people on this show. You guys are people that are on our message board. Um, you know, maybe, maybe most of the people I'm seeing this from don't subscribe to our site and therefore don't have any idea. But like, when Andy Staples put out his, you know, predictions, which didn't include Mizzou. Look, I disagree with him, but he's welcome to an opinion, whatever. I don't really care about that. But I retweeted it and made a comment. And I got a lot of responses that were, well, having Tulane and Louisville in there is just stupid. No, having Tulane and Louisville in there legitimately follows That's... the rules. You have to have them in there. Yeah. Although I've always thought it's, I don't know. When you look at the bowl games, it's always a weird a weird team that's usually in the twenties. It's that group of five team and it just throws stuff off because everything else seemed like it's in order than it's weird. But yeah, when G five team gets in next best ACC team gets in. I, the only thing that is weird is that the orange bowl already has its set, you know, conferences right. and not the other yeah, ones. It's weird to me that the orange bowl has decided that they definitely get a second team in if they're champions in the playoffs. It, is this every year? Am I missing something? Is this every, it is this, seems to be. I know they're always – it always feels like an AC, ACC team is in there. And I guess it was yeah. Clemson and Tennessee last year. So, I guess, yeah, this has been the, their thing for a minute. But. Clemson and Tennessee really was the Orange Bowl, by the way. That was, Which that I thought was, was, that was cool. Um, yeah. Um, so, it, look, I don't think there's any point to make predictions where we think Missouri's going to go because it's throwing darts. Just Honestly. Of the potential teams they could face, which is going to be, let's lay out all of them, Washington, Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, uh, Penn State, Tulane, maybe Florida State. What's your choice? Like, you, you got all those teams. Which one do you think that's what I'd like to see? Washington. Yeah. Oh, and I, I like Washington. Oregon, but I think Oregon's going to win and go to the CFP. So, so but yeah, Washington, I do too. Um, Washington would be cool. I would like to see Roma Dunze and those receivers against KAD and Rick Straw. That'd be cool. Absolutely. I, I think I really like Penn State because I think it offers the best combination of a name opponent, but also an opponent that. I think that would be a competitive game. I think right. Missouri might be favored by a field goal or something like that. Um, but I, I think that, you know, Missouri's offense against a Penn State defense, I think they would be favored because 
I think Missouri's defense is better than Penn State's offense. I, I don't right. think a ton of Drew Alar and what they've done in the passing game, but I think that would be a competitive game. The other one I I actually would like to see, and it takes some gymnastics, I think, for it to happen. I kind of like Missouri Ohio State. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I don't think that's gonna happen. So I, I didn't really. <laughs> that would be the, a, a good game. The only way that happens is if Alabama beats Georgia, and those like one or both of those teams are ranked above Ohio State, and would then so that team would go to the Orange Bowl because the opposition in the Orange Bowl is the highest ranked Big Ten or SEC non playoff team. So if Alabama or Georgia would be ranked say five and, and Ohio State six, then the SEC team goes to the Orange Bowl and Ohio State's in the which is not a question. I mean, it, it could happen. Uh, no, that that would be a uh, pretty cool. The team I do not want to see. Um, besides the G five team, but it it's Texas. And oh, it's, it's Texas. Mine's it's, the G5 team. Yeah, well, no, the G5 team, because, you know, it just feels like not that they couldn't lose to a G5 team. I mean, obviously, Tulane, they, they came back at the USC last year. Uh, I think that was the Cotton Bowl, I want to say. So it's not yeah. the, no disrespect to them, but it just feels like 10-win season, you know, so close to the, to the title picture and get G5. It just feels like, eh, you know what I mean? It's just, eh, a little flat. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, real quick, I'm just catching up on some of the comments. I feel like this is for you, Gerard. Danny wants to know if Mimbo climbs the rankings of players you've, you'd want on your side in the dark alley after uh, swinging the swinging the fifth around in Fayetteville. Uh, yeah, because there's a moment when he got his helmet taken off and he still had like five or six on him, and he was still about that action. And that's, that's the type of bodyguard I need with me <laughs> in here's the alley. What, here's what was crazy to me about that fight so like obviously it kind of started on the play before when brady got right, right. but but the extracurriculars that were going on on the following play like you can definitely watch that and believe that cameron johnson kind of instantly did start it okay so so but here's the thing cameron johnson no penalty no ejection the dude for arkansas number six that comes from absolutely nowhere and just it levels cameron johnson yeah, no penalty, no ejection. That's Three what I was. Other dudes got kicked out of the game. Yeah, and there was also somebody. I don't I feel like there was a player, an Arkansas player, who had his helmet off. Uh, I don't know if he took it off or whatever, but I don't feel like he got ejected either. It was a. I don't know. It was it was interesting. It definitely started on the on the play before. And if y'all see my report card for last week, I gave I gave the the offensive line a boost for sticking up because that kind of. They were already destroying. They were going to destroy them. But after that, it was just like, oh, it's going to get disrespectful. And, that, and that's what it did. It doesn't happen. What if the coaches would have gotten involved? Is, is there a worse fight in the SEC than Drink versus Sam Pittman? Like, I just – I don't feel like well, that would be – They're not going to fight because Drink just gave support to him. They're just – they're just going to chat it up a little bit. So, I don't know. But we all know – the. I feel like I know the fight I like to see among SEC coaches. Who's that? Or think about drinks. Who 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 would want to fight drink and who drink wouldn't like? Who do you think it'd be? Oh, it's Hypo. Oh, I that is Heupel. okay. So yeah, he would want to fight Hypo for sure. And I was thinking how I think Beamer would want to fight Drink. Okay. okay. So yeah, that's that's a good one. 
Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, and we got one more question we'll get to after this, but I feel like football should go to hockey rules. You want to yeah. fight? Cool. Teammates can't get involved. Square up. Let's go. Yeah. Um, I would I like say take, take the helmets off, but we're not – I don't promote concussions. I don't want to right. to get rocked for but, real. But like, you can't. I, here's the thing I've never understood about a football fight. Why are you swinging your hand Aren't at a guy wearing a helmet, man? I don't know. It make him feel good, but I you break your hand doing that. Maybe to be honest, I don't know why. I'm not saying they should, but I don't know why the Miles Garrett situation hasn't happened a lot more. Get your helmet in. Oh, that that's assault. Uh, there, there was a, there was a kid in the Florida game. Um, I believe it was a tight end that Missouri actually recruited a couple years ago when, when some stuff broke out in the Florida, Florida state game, he went to the sideline holding his arm. Like, I think he had hurt himself, you know, getting in a shoving match. So, dude. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, so I want to finish up with this because this is a question I've gotten a decent amount. Camden wants to know, is there any way Mizzou can get screwed out of a New Year's Six Bowl? So there is one way. I, I also want to point out, um, Mizzou sent out an email to donors today about bowl tickets. The only five bowls listed are the Fiesta, the Orange, the Cotton, the Peach, and the Citrus. So in other words, Missouri's going, we know we ain't falling below the Citrus. And they know that because LSU went last year. LSU is not going to go this year. And if Missouri falls to the Citrus, it means Ole Miss is definitely six but here is the only way and again i don't think it's very likely but the only way missouri assuming they're at number nine still gets gets left out of the new year six iowa has to beat michigan oklahoma state has to beat texas and florida state and alabama both have to be ranked above missouri so whether that would mean they both won or they both lost and stayed above Missouri or one or the other. Like if all four of those things happen, if, you know, if Florida state either wins and is in the playoff or loses and doesn't fall below Missouri at eight, if Iowa beats Michigan and we can stop right there. That's, that's what Chandler, I keep thinking. Iowa beat Michigan are like, they, I mean, they would have to win the game two to nothing. Yeah, or they would have to get two pick sixes like TCU did against Michigan. Um, no, because TCU's offense could put up points. They had NFL talent. I, I don't know how much NFL right. like elite, especially. No, no but I'm saying, I'm saying Iowa would have to get two pick sixes, and then that would at least give them 14 points, and then they would just have to win the game 14 10. Yeah, because like, they're not going to score on offense. Oh no, that's it's not going to happen. <laughs> It's not gonna because it's as good as their defense is. I mean, they still have to play offense, and that's where it ends. Yeah, so I think that's the most unlikely of those four things. I think the most likely of those four is that Florida State ends up ranked above Missouri, whether that's by a win or a loss and staying above. Who do you think wins the SEC title game? Georgia. I think Georgia. I I, I just think Georgia's better. Um, yeah. I mean, I, we could have solved a lot of this if Auburn had simply not put a spy on a quarterback on fourth and 31 and given up a touchdown pass, but you know, that happens. Yeah. I don't know. All right. So, so we got, we both got Georgia. We both got Michigan big 12 title, Texas and Oklahoma state. Texas. Yeah. I, I think Texas without question, ACC title game, Louisville, Florida state. 
I think Florida State pulls it out, but not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. That's I mean Louisville can definitely win that, but that's not a game I'm interested in without without Travis. I'm, I I think Florida State's gonna win it, and mm-hmm. I think that's gonna get Florida State in the playoff, which they should. And be I think they they're too, which they should be if they go 13 and 0, they gotta be there. Yes. I think they're good. Like I don't think they have any chance to win a playoff game. Yeah, no. Once they're the guy, they're the, when they get in the playoff, they're the. I want that one. I don't care what my ranking is. I want that team. Yeah. <laughs> if I yeah, see Florida State sure. And so last one, we've already said we think Oregon beats Washington. Oregon's a nine-point favorite. Like does Oregon cover? I don't know about that because something about the Washington team first, even though they're winning a lot of close games, there's something about being able to keep a game close and pull it out at the end, especially against the team you've already beat. Now, Oregon, ever since that loss, they've just been bullying everybody else. So it could be a different Oregon team, but I don't know if it's, would you say nine or nine and a half? I've heard both. I'm not sure what it is. Nine and a half seems, I don't know if I got exactly nine, maybe six. Six, six and a half feels a little better. Nine seems. Yeah, I don't think it's six. <laughs> That's kind yeah, of tough. Maybe, maybe you could just check in and say, look, I don't want to bet this at nine. I want to bet it. At six. I'm going to name my line. I, I'll bet Oregon plus six and see what they say. Or minus six and see what they say. Well, you can always do an alternate line, but those funds are going to be a lot lower, Gabe. A lot lower. <laughs> there you go. See, I don't know any of this stuff. Um, so, hey, uh, appreciate all you guys hanging out. We wanted to make sure to do this. We will... We may do a reaction show Sunday after the bowl announcement. We'll see. I don't know what the schedule is going to be. They've got the announcement. They've got Mizzou plays Wichita State that day. It's just going to be a matter of timing what we managed to do that day. If we don't do it on Sunday, we'll definitely be back here on Monday. I'll have Drew King back uh, with me on Thursday. So uh, appreciate all you guys hanging out. Do want to remind you one more time. The information has been scrolling across the screen throughout this show. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, James Carlton, State Farm Insurance, get in touch with him at uh, carltoninsurance.net. You can also call him at 314-961-4800. James Carlton wants to be your insurance agent. I know a lot of people who use him. Drew King uses him. Um, uh, a couple of my friends in St. Louis use him. All highly recommend him. Once you get in touch with uh, James, talk a little Mizzou football, help out Mizzou NIL, get yourself a good rate on insurance. As long as you're here, like, comment, subscribe if you watched on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, thanks for listening. Say good things. Share it on social media. We will uh, talk to you all next time.